Hey, I'm Luis. And I'm Dakota. Welcome to the PhDs of Company, a podcast about keeping each other company with conversations about the interplay of comedy and mental health. And if you're excited about being our pupil, you can stay up to date with our episodes by following our Instagram account at PhDOC Podcast and our website at anchor.fm slash PhDOC Podcast. All of our episodes are now available on all major podcasting sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. In this episode, Dakota and I laugh about some things we think you should consider. In a new segment we like to call, Things to Consider. (laughs) (laughs) And then we will ask the big question, what is mental health? Our conversation was sparked today by a panel discussion at the Institute of Art and Ideas at their annual Philosophy and Music Festival, which was posted in October 2019, where two psychologists and two psychiatrists discussed the ever-growing conversation of mental health in the modern age. And finally, we'll leave you with something to remember. Hope you guys enjoy. Dakota, hey man, we are, we're back, we're here, we're doing this thing. How you doing? You all right? We are. I, I'm doing well. I'm excited about uh, our new segments today. I'm I'm excited to get with it. I'm excited about my lumbar support pillow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we, maybe we should introduce uh, this segment. All right. And maybe qualify it by saying that. Luis and I may not be on the same page with what we're going to talk about here. With what exactly this is. Okay, well, so so this segment is called Things to Consider. And and we, we left it at that because it's broad enough for both of us to have the freedom to consider the things that we don't often consider in front of other people. Is that safe to say? Sure. Otherwise known as... Does this make me a bad person? Yes, that's what I wanted this segment to be called. You want to get moving on it? Yeah, you want me to start? I feel like you're excited about it, so so yes, I do. All right, well, Luis, have you ever considered how obnoxious lottery tickets are? (laughs) Okay, why do you think so? Okay, all right, well, I walked into this gas station, and there's a person sitting uh, at the at the desk, the the, the client, the cashier, mm-hmm. um, and there is a person at the desk asking that person, the the cashier, about lottery tickets. Okay. Okay. So I could tell this is probably already been going on for a while. Yes. And there's a there's a guy in between the person asking about the lottery tickets and me. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> this guy's he's a little. He's a little messy looking. I mean, he's he's wearing Nike slides, you know those those flip flops uh-huh. that are uh, with with tall socks and shorts, okay. um, which I retired in tenth grade. He so he t- this guy turns to me and rolls his eyes and nods his head at the lotto person, like yeah. you know, Jesus is taking a long time. Mm-hmm. And well, first of all, I start to feel validated because I'm realizing. I have always thought that lottery tickets should not be at the gas station. What? Wh- why? Because the clerks <laughs> never know anything about lottery tickets. <laughs> and everyone who wants a lottery ticket has so many questions. <laughs> okay? So this guy, I mean, and just this, this, this guy completes, completes the mood. Uh you know, he, he kind of rolls his eyes and I'm like, oh, cool. Like someone who looks at me during quarantine and doesn't like look scared, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of um, nice. Yeah. But <laughs> after after f- like five minutes of, of lotto inquiry, uh-huh. uh, the person gets their lotto tickets and they they walk out of the store and the guy who's in front of me, 
who I'm thinking, oh, this guy must like get it. Like he must be wanting to get through the line quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, he gets up there to buy his like Gatorade or whatever, mm-hmm. and he slaps like forty coins on the desk. Okay, just like a handful of change, <laughs> and the, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I would rather you ask about the lottery tickets. <laughs> And he and he slaps down the coins, and then the the lady, the cashier goes, "Oh, I'm sorry. Um, you actually gave me seven cents too much." And the guy looks at her and goes, "Oh, no worries. Keep the change." <laughs> like he's tipping her or something. And I'm just like, I'm sitting there like, dude, this guy is so swag. But I'm thinking about the lottery tickets, and I'm. I feel like anytime someone wants to get a lottery ticket, there are 13 people in line at the gas station. And I just want to get my cliff bar and get out of there. <laughs> Bro, but I, I make it like an imperative that when I go on a road trip, I always get a little scratchy just for fun. Oh, no, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with lottery tickets. I'm just saying that have you ever considered that they are inconvenient at the gas station? But, okay, so then would there be another place to get them? Yeah, like the lotto ticket store. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they got the vending machines, and then they've got like the place where you redeem your your big your big winners. Make it make it fast food drive through, you know drive through like, lotto, drive through lotto. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, I'll mine have a natural progression, and uh, my first one is. definitely definitely it means a lot to me but it's not it's not as jarring as the second so the the first one dakota uh have you considered just how concerning falling liquid is when it's not cloudy outside (laughs) (laughs) like Okay. Let me give you so some when context. it's raining in the sun, like when no, it's no, like no, sunny. no, 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 not when it's raining. I'm not. I'm. I'm I, I specifically didn't say water either. I'm talking about any precipitous form of liquid when it's <laughs> completely sunny outside and doesn't fit the context. But, but I'm talking what liquid falls. It's not water. I'm talking. You're walking in downtown. You walk by a parking garage and just a nice <laughs> cascade of mist just dons your face i'm talking like do you and and i feel like we brush that off we brush that off often you're like man i think i just felt a little wet just right there you know and and we should not brush that off that could be anything mysterious liquid terrifies me (laughs) dude i mean i think i understand what you're saying but i feel like Whatever liquid you've encountered has been more mysterious than the liquid that I've encountered. Is your liquid ever not clear? I don't know. Dude, Are you I, having like, like soup <laughs> fall? I'm just saying that it, the first time I really thought about this was when I was walking on on campus uh, by a parking garage, and I I felt. It wasn't even like a drop. It wasn't like a stream. It was like a. I felt like, I felt like I had entered a moist environment and immediately exited that moist environment. Like it was like I walked through a cloud of wet, right? And and in that moment, I looked up, right? Because it's I didn't see it before me, so I looked upwards and I saw nothing, and so. I think we should all consider mysterious liquid uh, more, and we should definitely acknowledge its presence and be afraid of it. We should be afraid of it. <laughs> Luis, I am now an advocate for mysterious liquid. <laughs> I just, I just think you should. We should consider it. <laughs> I'm, I'm considering it now. Okay, good. <laughs> That's a great good. thing to consider. Okay, what, what's next for you, man? <laughs> All right, so we went lottery tickets, mystery liquid. Now I'm about to hit you with, have you considered how horrible YouTube ads are getting? They are bad. They're bad and they make me feel bad about myself because I wonder the data that they have on me that has sent that ad to me. I I don't even, 
okay, it's more Okay, I get it. YouTube's got to make money. Yes. And they also want everybody to get YouTube red. Right? Yeah, like they want YouTube they want TV. everybody to pay for the this the premium version so that you don't even have ads. But when when YouTube came out, they they were like normal, they were like TV commercials. Like I would watch Lion does something funny at the zoo. Mm-hmm. And the ad before that is Charmin toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing like the TV ad of the bears. Mm-hmm. But now it's like these low grade selfie videos of guys talking about their workouts. <laughs> have you seen that? I have seen that. I have seen that. Like it's, it's, it'll be, literally a, like it's like literally footage from a phone like an iphone um like a guy is filming himself looking into the camera shirtless mostly and it's like do you feel bad about yo-yoing like are you having trouble like getting to the gym well you don't even have to go to the gym with what i'm going to talk about and then, <laughs> and then they just start they're they they are like getting you sucked in because then you're like oh what's this guy's plan? I'll also I'll also add that they the ads seem to not be taken into consideration of what video they're they're precursing. <laughs> yeah. So like so like I will it'll be midnight. I'm in my room, lights off. I'm about to go to bed. I I click a video. Maybe it's like a, a philosophy bit on david foster wallace Mm -hmm. okay so i'm expecting kind of a normal volume low you know low uh excitement video just someone talking uh this is what david foster wallace is talking about and then the ad before it will be like a horror movie trailer yeah yeah i hate that it'll be like (laughs) it'll be like grudge four you know and it's like a scary girl uh with long black hair, like eating somebody, and it, it's so loud. It makes me afraid. It makes me afraid to click on anything, because because you click on it and you have no time between the amount that between clicking on it and then the ad immediately playing, and you have no idea what it what it is. <laughs> you 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 did not decide what you were going to be listening to or watching, and it's just playing out loud for the rest yeah. of everybody to hear. You know because I I stopped using YouTube ten years ago. I just use third party websites now. <laughs> All right. Um. Okay. My last one. I need you to just stick with me. Okay. 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 I consider this during almost every novel social interaction I have. Okay. Okay. And it might make me a bad person. Not bad. It might make me a strange person. Okay. And I, I've, and I will say I've never decided to follow through with this action, but it, it is a relentless thought that poisons my mind to this day. Okay. Dakota, have you? This is, wait, okay, wait, wait. Is this? Uh, I'm. Is there anything illegal that's about to come out of your mouth? Because no, it feels like you're about to no. admit to something. <laughs> no. All right. Okay. Dakota, have you ever considered during a conversation with anybody? It could be a friend. It could be a job interview. It could be sitting in class and listening to your professor, have you ever considered how different the course of your life would be if you just stood up and kissed that person on the mouth? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) I think about that every day. No, no. The answer is no. (laughs) I have not not considered that. That's insane. It's not insane, you're, dude. It's you're not saying, insane. You're, okay, let me let me see if I got this. I think about this every day. <laughs> every time you meet somebody, no matter what who they are, what role they play in your life, <laughs> yeah. you you think about if you, what would happen what would happen to the trajectory of your life if you kiss them uh, uh, like unwill like. Wi- <laughs> <laughs> unwillingly like you just like 
go up and grab their head and just kiss them on the mouth and then walk out. Yeah, dude. <laughs> that is so funny. I what? I don't know what sparked it the first time I thought about it, but now it's like any time I get bored during a conversation, I'll be like, this would be a thing that would spice it up. This would be funny. <laughs> Wait, okay. Luis, is this a gender neutral action gender yeah does not matter i'll kiss you just anybody think, you just think this whoever's in front of me i'll kiss it no matter what does does not matter does not matter and and that's the thing that really is the poisonous part because it gets weird you know it gets it gets weird real <laughs> fast <laughs> and like i said i've never followed through but i have considered i have Dude, considered i Oh man, I want you to follow through with that one time. Uh, we can't record another episode of this until you do that. No, because because if you tell me that, I can't stop this thought from happening and I don't yeah. get to choose who's next. I don't get to choose who's next. <laughs> you're dude, you're a serial kisser. I'm I'm not. I'm not. I have I have much discipline. In, in my action i just don't have i just don't have authority over my cognition wow i told you it was gonna get weird I, well i'm still with you though i i thank you for considering my thought I, f- I feel heard i feel heard and next time next time you talk to anybody i hope this thought finds its way into your brain dude next person i see no matter what kissing him. <laughs> pupils. Dakota and I have a very important announcement to make. We have just started our own university. Wait, Luis, I'm just a listener. What are you talking about university? No, 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 no. Uh, you're a pupil. Everybody who listens here is, is a pupil. Ah. We want to give you the opportunity to take the conversations we've had over the past couple episodes and, and apply that to a curriculum and matriculate into becoming a PhD in company like us. Oh, okay. So I'm a pupil, but I could be a PhD. Exactly. So how do I how do I do that? Well, you do that by being accepted into the Comedy Counseling Community College. <laughs> okay. How do I apply? Well, we're accepting applications for the fall term right now. If you're interested in receiving an application, please DM us at PhDOC Podcast, your favorite picture of Steve Martin, and a preferred email address. That's all I have to do? I already have all that stuff ready to go. Wow, that's great. Upon receiving your interest, we'll send you a formal application and further instructions for admission. After careful review, the Dean of Admissions will decide on your acceptance as a doctoral candidate. Okay, so I'm a pupil, and I can apply to be a PhD candidate. How do I become a PhD? Well, after some ambiguous curriculum, and if we deem you worthy, we'll decide upon the right time to bestow your PhD of company. Ah, okay. Awesome. Well, I'm on board. Fantastic. The admissions board is anxiously awaiting your applications. pupils welcome back to comedy counseling school i'm excited to to dig into the content here yeah i i think this is just a really important place to take the conversation um since we're still kind of in the beginning of this project together i i think it's just a really great place for us to define what mental health is, mm-hmm. what are our stances on it, you know, you and I, and, and and hopefully have a better way of talking about it in future episodes, just to give us a good platform. Yeah. I'm happy to, to start by describing what started this conversation, mm. and then I'll, I'll have a question posed for you. So, okay. So we, we first uh, 
started thinking about this when we watched a video from the Institute of Art and Ideas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a panel discussion at a conference or a festival uh, in 2019. And it was two psychiatrists and two psychologists. And they were kind of posing the question of what is mental health? And even taking it as far as saying, should we consider not using the word mental illness Mm. and kind of digging into that and um, the effects that has on the mental health world? And so I think it would be helpful, Luis, if you started by talking about mental illness from a definition standpoint or like the etymology of that and the concept of it being on a continuum um, that yeah. was brought up in that discussion. So so essentially we're, we're trying to dissociate the word that the phrase is mental health and mental illness right we we want we have to we have to make sure we understand the difference between the two right and this may be simple to some and confusing to others if you had to define mental health dakota what would you say mental health is on a grand spectrum i guess the it's it's more of an encompassing term okay yeah all of the uh the feelings and emotional uh, side of your brain and how that affects your behavior so, yes, I think a, a way that I have grown to to call my mental health because because it's kind of ambiguous, right? It's not like our physical health is kind of nominal. We can understand if you say, hey, are you healthy, you know, or, or how yeah. how are how you doing? Like if, in regards to being hurt physically, you can say, oh, well, I have a bruise or I broke my bone or, you know, something along those lines. But in in the conversation of mental health, it's ambiguous. It's harder to point to. Right. So mm-hmm. I phrase it as it is the relationship I have with my inner self. Right. It's the relationship I have with the thoughts I have. Yeah. Do, do, would you agree with that? Yeah. So, yeah, totally. so that would, that's what I would, I would consider my mental health. Now I, I try my best to be as careful as I can with using the phrase mental illness. And that's even in describing my own negative mental health. And I think that's really where I would like to draw the dissociation is between, uh, saying negative mental health and mental illness and that's only because uh of something hopefully we'll be getting into in a bit it's it's not that you're either mentally healthy or unhealthy um it it, they're not bins right so if let's just say that true mental illness exists and in this conversation half of them believe it does and half of them want to get rid of that phrase in its entirety. So let's just say mental illness exists and that is the end of the spectrum. Like Mm -hmm. you are mentally ill, right? And then on the other end of the spectrum is you are completely mentally healthy. I believe that one's mental health, one's mental well-being is somewhere along the spectrum between those two points. At no point could you either be at the ends uh, could you be at one end or the other? Uh, but, you, yeah. but you're somewhere in there. And and the reason it's so difficult is because of the way that we talk about it, the words that we give it, and no two brains are alike. And so mm-hmm. the biology of somebody's mental health, those those thoughts that are happening in a person's brain, those it's quite literally biological and chemical – it's not it's not like anybody else's and so right. and so to to make to make one nominally the same as the other yeah is is a dangerous thing yeah so if you're so applying the spectrum you're talking about essentially we have a bell curve where the majority of people are probably somewhere in the middle of that spectrum yeah i think that's a really great way of putting it i think that a healthy thing for anybody to consider is that not only are you on a bell curve but your mental health is your own personal bell curve that you know most of the time you're probably in the middle but 
it is a completely normal and healthy thing to be on either side of your healthy middle. Okay. So we've we so by moving to a spectrum we're essentially saying that it's not binary. Yes. You're you're not you're not either one or the other. And and it's not even that it's not binary, it's even across the board with mental illnesses, you just can't be binned, you know? You you're not binned as bipolar or binned as manic. Uh, you know, it could be it could be an array of things that are layered on top of each other. Uh, that are affected by social factors and environment. Yeah. Well, then that's a, that's a good segue to uh, the really great quote that was offered at the beginning of the discussion from Dr. Salter, um, mm-hmm. who says, is the modern world making us ill or are we medicalizing normality? I love the two words, medicalizing normality. That, yeah. I, I feel like that is a... That is a really uh, direct way of saying that having negative mental health is a normal thing, mm-hmm. but because but because it's undesired, we we feel the need to fix it, and the way we fix it is through medicine or the practice of medicine. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a that's a, a like a fine line to draw uh, because. While I, I completely agree with people seeking medical assistance and medical help if their mental health reaches a threshold point yeah. where it's necessary, then I say, by all means, please seek medical help. However, I, I do think that by calling it something, diagnosing it as such, and providing the treatments due to those, we deflate the nuance of person-to-person experience and the opportunity to be proactive about a person's mental health along the way. Yeah. I think I would also argue that the, the word normality here has, uh, has shifted. Like our perception of normality has shifted as culture has shifted. What, what do you mean? So like the human life, a human condition hasn't changed over the last thousands, couple thousand years. Okay. Like, like we're still people and we still have minds and we still have fears and loves. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that in mind, considering the idea that the psychology only took rise in the last hundred years, the way we think about our suffering and our misery has shifted because before when you were suffering and miserable, there was a sense of acceptance of that. Um, and now it is said that that's bad. So if you have suffering, you have to eliminate it. Hmm. Um, and so now like normal, like normality today is that you have to be happy and not and have no suffering. Does that make sense? I completely understand what you mean in regards to the rise of psychology, but I don't necessarily think that we are sadder than any previous century of people have ever been oh no that's what i'm saying yeah for sure i'm saying that that hasn't changed but our perception of that has changed we we've gone from acceptance to instead uh the need and desire to change it i i would argue that that's also has been uh kind of an unhealthy obsession so thinking back to the the question the the big question is are we over medicalizing now yeah. uh, because this is that's a that's a new thing uh, that before we didn't really medicalize uh anything with mental illness you know until until the rise of psychology so um yeah i mean i, I worked as a medical scribe for an ENT for for 2 years uh, mm-hmm. recently and i I saw I saw a pretty troublesome gap between the physiological health community and the mental health community. I feel like the over medicalizing part comes into play uh, with with the idea that doctors in the uh, like the general practitioner area are not like they don't fully understand what's going on with the mental health world. Like they're not trained on that. 
And so there's this gap where the medicalizing part is, is I think coming from the MDs um, or Hmm. from the GPs, you know, like, like, because they don't understand, they're the ones that are just throwing the medication at people. So, I mean, and like, I'm not in medical school, you're not in medical school. So I, I, I know that they're like, I know that my, my girlfriend, Ashley, she goes through a psychology unit. Like there's an entire block devoted to psychology now um, uh-huh. and not, maybe not now, but, but there is an entire block devoted to psychology. So I do wonder if that's always been in place uh, to what you're Definitely saying. Definitely not. You don't think so? No, no. I, I think that's, that's more of a recent thing. And also, uh, that exists but Mm -hmm. but what i'm saying is that there are um any sort of private practice or specialty that's that doesn't have an in-house counselor or psychologist or psychiatrist Mm -hmm. um they are prescribing um antidepressants etc to patients um without actually getting them to those people who they need to talk to so i because I don't want to say anything in regards to pointing fingers at GPs for overprescribing. While I do think that uh, there, there, there probably should be less people on medication than there are. Uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not downing medication. I think medication is great for people who need it. You know what I mean? Um. I do 100% agree with the idea of an interdisciplinary medical approach where there is active conversation between doctors of of many fields in order to give the person the best help incrementally as possible. Um, I do not believe that the first thing should be medication, right? If you come in and, 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 and say that you're sad... I think that the first thing should just be human relationship <laughs> before yes, anything, literally before anything else. And well, and, and you and I are on the same page. Like mm-hmm. I, I also, I don't think this is the doctor's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't think there's anything wrong with medication. Um, and in fact, I would advocate for medication. Um, but would I. I guess, well, maybe I should dig further into the scribing experience. So, I, I noticed that there were some doctors like while they were all ENTs, so they were they were specialized um, in ears, nose, and throat. Okay. Um, they were all wonderful doctors, and I, I I didn't doubt any of their abilities to treat patients with regard to ENT problems. Mm. Okay, so if someone came in with an ears, nose, or throat problem, the doctors there knew really well how to take care of them. Mm. Um. But what I noticed was that these same doctors had, they had trouble talking to patients about mental illness. So Hmm. if a, if a patient came in um, and had a previous diagnosis of uh, schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder or depression, anxiety, whatever it was, I saw that a lot of doctors felt uncomfortable talking to the patients about those things. And Mm -hmm. so there was, uh, the patient was coming in with usually some sort of psychosomatic symptom. So they would come in and say, you know, Oh, well, like I, I'm just, my, my nose is a little stuffy. And then the ENT looks at it objectively and sees Mm -hmm. that their nose is totally clear. There's, and they know everything about the nose inside and out. So, Hmm. They're telling that patient, oh, uh, you know, I want to reassure you that I just looked at your nose and it, and it looks great. You have a great looking nose. So I'm actually, I'm actually not sure why your nose would feel so stuffy. Mm. But that patient having um, a, like a, a, some other mental illness, like to use that term, like that's how they would look at it is this is a mental illness. If they had that illness... That was that was a re- that was something that pointed to the the symptom they're having. Um, so, hmm. so the gap here that I'm talking about is that the doctor then should be 
referring that patient to a counselor, a psychologist, a psychiatrist. If if they if they realized that that's the way that it needed to be going. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like they see this as this is a psychosomatic problem, and they know the specialty for that, but mm-hmm. they don't know how to tread that line with a patient because the patient they don't want to they don't want to uh, offend the patient. Does that make sense? So like yeah. So like the patient the patient wants a straightforward answer, but they the doctor feels uncomfortable saying, "Hey, uh, actually." No, you, this problem you're talking about with your nose is actually a really common side effect of depression. And hmm. and instead of uh, being able to communicate that, the doctor feels nervous about it and then will give them roundabout answers like, oh, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's maybe I just you just need a second opinion. you know, And then they refer them out to another ENT um, hmm. or someone else. And so that that leaves the gap where the doctor's frustrated because they can't help the patient, but the patient's frustrated because they feel like the doctor's just calling them crazy. That, that is a, a line, the line of, of offending the patient or offending the person. That is a line that is so difficult to toe. And I, I saw a doctor do that really well when I, worked in the neuropsych department at wake baptist Mm -hmm. and and uh people would go in for psychometric testing and we would have to explain to them their 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 metrics and what that meant in regards to their epilepsy and to tell a person what an what a certain assessment or inventory details uh can can be incredibly offensive and maybe not offensive but can be uh off-putting you know it can it can be jarring to a person and so i i liken that to what if you and i had a conversation with a friend like what if you had a conversation with a friend i had a conversation with a friend uh like boil it down to bare minimum with our our limited amount of medical knowledge, our limited knowledge about counseling, um, and how would we go about the conversation with that person to get them help? Well, see, and that's where I actually I see the connection between uh, I see mental health. I want to say that it's biological mm-hmm. because there I think that reduces stigma. So if somebody knows. If somebody said to, to a patient, you know, I think you're exhibiting pa- uh, symptoms of depression, then that patient, their first thought with stigma behind that is, oh, the doctor just, you know, they just think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. But if a doctor was to be able to define that and say, oh, like, actually, depression is is a real thing, you know, like. Depression is a real thing, and this is how it affects your brain. And mm-hmm. so with this neurotransmitter not working the way it should, we can we can find ways to correct that. Um, and so when I found there was, I mean, one specific doctor I worked with who would explain that to a patient, and they mm-hmm. were immediately on board. Like, oh, Interesting. really? They were like, oh, do you really think, oh, okay, so you think I could get help? from this and they would say yeah totally um i'll i'll refer you to uh my friend he's a psychiatrist and he could totally get you sorted out with that and it and it came across as just any other diagnosis you know i i mean i am impressed there are medical practices that have in-house counselors um and that does give like a holistic approach to to patient care but i i, I think backtracking a little i the problem with the medicalizing thing uh, was I never heard this this phrase before, but the psychiatrist on the panel used the phrase social prescribing, and and that was in her example was like giving, uh, like if somebody is sad about uh, being in debt, then they go to their doctor for you know to get their nose checked, um, and they mention to the doctor, well, I've been, you know, I've been really sad because I'm in a lot of uh, school debt 
and the doctor is therefore prescribing antidepressants to that patient. Um, when in reality, like that, that might not be the problem. You know what I mean? Like, like he was saying, he was saying that the the correct person to send them to might be a loan counselor, mm-hmm. um, or yeah, yeah, an yeah. actual counselor, like a or like somebody who can work through that with them, um, and not just jumping to the medicine for it, because that might not be the correct thing to prescribe. That. And, and and I think that that's the that's the problem. That's what we need to point to. And that's what I was getting at in regards to how can we be proactive about individuals' mental health as a as a society. How can we be proactive about people's mental health before an individual reaches their threshold uh, to where it becomes illness? You know. Yeah. Because I I, I don't want to shy away from the reality that there are chemical imbalances in the brain that cause uh, thoughts, actions, emotions, behavior that truly is abnormal. Yeah. Uh, However, I think that there is definitely a large chunk uh, of negative mental health that is completely normal and so how do we help people navigate through those things um not in a form of fixing but in a form of navigating yeah well and addressing the question of like is mental health biological Mm -hmm. that's where i i like the spectral uh analogy that we've used at the beginning um because on a spectrum even though it is a spectrum there are still thresholds. Mm-hmm. So like somebody, so one of the examples that was used was um, somebody with a history of sexual abuse as a child. Mm-hmm. They have a smaller hippocampus than someone who wasn't. And that like that is revealed in neuroimaging. So mm-hmm. like like you were saying earlier, like two brains can be totally different. Um, mm-hmm. And that can give rise to uh, a a shifting in personality or behavior um, or mental state, and and like I and while I want it to be spectral, I also want there to be boundaries. So because what, yeah 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 keep going keep going. Well, I was just gonna say like somebody somebody who has um, a personality disorder. Uh, or, or something, yeah, like, like for example, schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Um, like, their, their mental health is totally different than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I would say that's probably attributed to many things, um, social factors, childhood, but also biology. Like, yes. I, I think that neuroimaging has shown that their brain looks different than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like that's we have to hold these things in tension. Like by it's it is biological, uh, but it's also a spectral mental uh graph that is kind of hard to predict. And and one of the things that was brought up in that conversation that is exactly what you're saying is two people with in quotes diagnosable similar attributes, right? Yeah. Two people experiencing the same diagnosable attributes recover differently purely because one has the median income and one is homeless, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, yeah. right? I mean, homeless people will recover quick quicker if you shelter them, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think that that sentence works. Uh, it works as a metaphor, I think. Um, across the board, right? Mm-hmm. Y- y- if if you find the factors that may be proponents to negative mental health in an individual, and you shelter those, right? And you and you address those factors. Yeah, he- healing is is quicker. It, it it really is, you know. Um, and so. And so uh, I, I think the, the, the biggest thing now, Dakota, is 
we, we kind of talked ourselves in a big loop um, about medicalizing mental health. And I think a really, a really important thing for us to do would be, well, how do we address our own mental health hmm. and the mental health of others? Right. Be- yeah. Because, because we are in a point where talking about it is more prevalent um but i do still believe that it's it's so misunderstood yeah well and i would i would answer that by first qualifying it with um that i think the most important thing to address your own mental health is to know who to go to and mm-hmm. i i think that we could help with the social prescription over medicalizing part by understanding that that it's not our 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 general doctor we should go to Mm. um and like and 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 i have yeah obviously i've had a lot of opinions on it but i mean i want to give the the mds a bit the benefit of the doubt because they have very small windows to see patients um, and so that's where, that's where it doesn't make sense. Like your, your, uh, your pediatrician or your physician, they, they can't spend 50 minutes doing a counseling session with you. That's very true because they have to see such high volumes of patients. And I, I live with a pediatrician. Um, and I mean, he even says like, th- I, they don't need me to give them medicine. They need me to counsel them. You know, like, I mean, he, he says that a lot of his job is actually counseling patients. Um, and I think that that's, that's because of his personality and his care for people. But mm-hmm. I see how not every doctor can address that. And when you have to see 30 to 40 patients in a day, uh, you can't spend an hour with a patient who really needs it. Um, and so mm-hmm. that's where, that's where I'm, I'm using that to, to springboard into like, I think that we, we need to find ways to to help people find counselors, um, a counselor, a psychologist, or a psychiatrist. Uh, you know, those are kind of the three major categories. And then also bringing it back to something you said is there along the spectrum, there are several thresholds, right? Yeah. And one that I think is, is kind of like, it's, it's a very low threshold, it doesn't take a lot in order to get it there. Uh, and and hitting this threshold and responding to it in a in the right way could lead to just ba- leaps and bounds of positivity right so the the yeah. th- that threshold is seeing a counselor right yeah i and and it's it's so funny that i i put it so low mm-hmm. like i think that if <laughs> you know like it doesn't hurt but even myself i have i haven't gone you know yeah um, yeah. and so, yes, I, I think, I think you're absolutely right that it takes, it takes the answer to the question of, well, where do I go to seek help for this? Yeah. And I think the question we need to ask before that question, uh, puts it in line with me talking about the thresholds and the spectrum. It's well, when, like, when, when do I understand my mental health well, how how can I understand my mental health enough that I know when to go yeah. seek help? Yeah, you know? totally. And we've also we've also uh, made it seem like um, if I need to go get my my hurt knee checked out, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to get on Google and type in orthopedic doctor Winston Salem. You know, yeah, um, yeah, true, and that's. That's it. Literally works that way for mental health. <laughs> like, I mean, I can I can type in licensed professional counselor Winston Salem, and and find them. But um, it is way easier to shrug yeah. off being stressed yeah. than than yeah, exactly. not being able to walk correctly. Yeah, and that's one of the obstructions to us googling who's in our area, because one we. We want to say that it's not a big deal, uh, but also uh, we're you know it's it's easy to say chalk it up to well 
I don't know if my insurance will cover it or I don't know how expensive <laughs> yeah, that's it'll me. be. And that, no, yeah. that's me too. That's me. Like, I mean, I, I do counseling every three weeks, like I said before, mm-hmm. and it's through my job. So I'm not paying for it out of pocket the way, I mean, I am paying for it, but it's not like pulling my wallet out at the doctor's office and paying a copay. Um, mm. So for me, like I'm doing it because like it's set up for me. Um, and I understand that pressure. So I, like, it's hard to, to convince yourself, okay, I need to, I need to find something that's affordable, works with my insurance or is, you know, cash or whatever. I think as we kind of wrap up the conversation about mental health, I want to encourage the listeners, the pupils out there, um, to to kind of give their opinion and two cents on the conversation because the best way we can do it is by being gentle i think and yeah. being accepting with with the conversation at hand right yeah uh, especially in the way it, because this is purely conversation like we are just trading words uh, especially in the words that we use about it right yeah anything else that you want to add no i think that's uh that was a really interesting conversation. I'm glad we did that. I'm glad too. Also, uh, a fun little tidbit at the end in regards to seeking help. One of my good friends listened to episode one and actually referred me to his counselor because they do wow. tele because they do telehealth. They talked about how you do you do yours over the phone. Yeah, and he goes, "Oh yeah, my guy does that too. You should do that." That's awesome. So. An encouragement to the to the pupils out there, if you haven't reached your threshold, then talk to your friends about your problems and be okay with them being problems. And if you have reached your threshold, then go talk to a counselor. Thank you to the Institute of Art and Ideas Festival and their panelists for sharing their conversation online. And big thanks to you, our listeners, for hearing us to the end of the episode. We appreciate any feedback y'all have on the series as we go on. For now, we'll leave you with something to remember. It's okay to be scared. Being scared means you're about to do something really brave. Broken crayons? Still color. Be a Fruit Loop in a world full of Cheerios. Real eyes, real eyes, real lies. Should we kiss the microphone to close out? <laughs> All right, sounds good. Ready? All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And we just lost everyone who's ever listened. <laughs>